Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you wax my eyebrows or pluck them? Yeah, no. I could do a lot with your stuff, with you stuff. <laughs> Hello, Renee. Hello, Caitlin. How are you? Where are uh, you? I'm very good. I am in New Haven, Connecticut, or as the locals like to say, New Haven. Really? Well, that's what I hear. That's weird. Uh, so you're there, obviously, commentating, as the illustrious commentator you are, in addition to being a Racket Magazine podcast host, but you have also become a coach since the last time we did this podcast. <laughs> well, I've, I've uh, been a coach before and uh, doing a little bit of coaching now. Um, with Carolina Plishkova. I worked with Carolina a little bit at the end of last year in Singapore, uh, where she called me up, desperate, needing some um, help. And she thought, well, desperate means Renee Stubbs. So anyway, <laughs> uh, she came to me and asked me if I uh, would work with her. And then this year, she's uh, obviously you know, not having the results that she feels that she should be and wanted a little bit of a change and asked me if I'd come back on board for a little while. And we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, obviously I'm very busy with my TV work uh, with ESPN, so I have to be a little bit um, smart about how I handle it all. But uh, I, I just really enjoy Carolina a lot. She's a great kid and she should be doing better than she is. And hopefully that'll translate in some, some wins uh, in the next few months. Well, I can't think of anybody more capable of juggling all those balls than you. I'm going to leave that one alone, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> uh, insiders might know how the irony of that statement. <laughs> Despite your incredibly busy schedule, you found time this week in New Haven to record an episode with someone awesome, super, super cool, a fellow Aussie. Yes, my old mate, um, well, she's not old, um, I'm much older than she is, which she'll explain in the podcast, but my old mate, uh, Casey Delacqua, who is uh, truly, you know, when you do the votes of who's your favorite, one of the favorite players on tour, um, I think Casey would, without question, be no question in the top five to ten players of how people feel about her. She's just one of those players you love to be around. She's always in a good mood. Um, she's had a tremendously great career. She's recently retired, um, but she's also had some trials and tribulations throughout her career. And, um, you know, life has changed for her dramatically. And, um, I mean, she's been in controversies with Margaret Court, and she's had to deal with that, and she's got a family now. She travelled with... I mean, there's, the stories are long. They're wonderful. They're funny. She's funny. Um, and I think some people will appreciate some of the, like, just interesting, fun stories and behind-the-scenes stuff that she can set on the table for us. One of the, my favorite things about what we get to do when we talk to these great players is really unpack what's going on in their minds. And 
it's more often than not, it's everyday stuff that we all deal with. In Casey's case, she's got two young children. Obviously, that creates both happiness at home, but also stress uh, in the travel and, and requirements of a pro tennis career. But also her taking time off and sort of reassessing whether or not she really wanted to be playing tennis is, I think, something everyone can relate to, even those of us who have never made money at it, right? No, totally. I mean, the amount of times I hear pro players say, oh, that's it, I'm done, I'm retiring, I can't do this anymore, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I would say in a span of, you know, a decade or, a decade and a half anyway of players playing pro tennis that, that they probably out of the word, I'm retiring about five to eight times in a career. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's managing the emotional ups and downs of playing on tour because it really is um, a difficult life because you really are, everybody loses every week. You're a loser every week except one person. And there's very rarely people like Serena or Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal that win every single week. And they have to deal with the own, their own pressures of really expectation of winning every week, whereas other players have to deal with the losses and when they lose and dealing with those ups and downs and being away from loved ones and being in hotel rooms and having to sometimes do your own laundry when you're growing up. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that with Casey. Well, I loved how uh, wide-ranging the interview was. Obviously, it was great to hear uh, somebody who at one point even went to beauty school. So I know our listeners are really going to like this. Uh, You know, they're going to have to deal with the fact that there's two Australian accents combating for... uh, for the airtime, uh, and it couldn't be belonging to one of uh, what sounds like one of the nicest people to play the game. So thanks for getting an episode in while you've been up in New Haven. Hey, anytime, and if I can grab an Aussie to have a chat to any time of the day, I will do it, and Casey is definitely one of my favorites, so I hope everybody enjoys her and this episode uh, because she's a delight. Here we are. In uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and um, it's a week before the US Open, and I've managed to corral one of my best friends in the whole entire world, a person I love more than anybody ever, <laughs> and that is Casey Delacqua, now retired Casey Delacqua, and retired for, is it official? Oh, yeah, I'm done. Okay, yeah, right. I'm retired. All yeah, right, okay. I'm well so and truly done. I needed to check on that yes. before I, you know, made that, you know, major oh, yeah. announcement on, yeah. on our podcast. But welcome to the Racket Magazine <laughs> Thanks, podcast. Thanks, Stubbsy. Thanks for having me. Oh, you Believe me, I'm very happy to have you here. And I'm sure there's a million people out there, hopefully millions. Uh, there'll be, you know, a couple of... <laughs> Lots couple of Aussies, of, maybe. A couple of hundred uh, Aussies um, that would love to hear your take on things, uh, everything, tennis and life and motherhood and injuries and all sorts of stuff so all right okay so you uh you're officially retired and and I guess the question is why because you were having such a good year last year and you, you've made a lot of money and you've done really well and so yeah. why yeah family um my partner Amanda and our two children uh that was why uh everyone I get that question a lot um Ash and I made Singapore last year. I was back to top 10 in the world. Great results, made a grandstand final. Like you said, financially it was going well, but I think you just, when you know, you know. And for me, it just felt like the right time. Um, I had been um, I had been dealing with so much prior to last year. So I think it was a build-up of, um, I guess, a lot of things. But I just knew in my heart that I wanted to be at home with my family and I wanted to be home with my two kids more often. So, yeah, it basically came down to me wanting to be more of a mum than a tennis player, I guess. And you and I have talked. Um, you would also ha- like to have kids of your own. Yep. Um, just to add to the many duties that you have to do yeah. as a mum. So Yeah. 
Um, that was also part of the reason why you stopped, is uh, to try and have children on your own. Yep. So on that subject, do you think that um, we had six mums in the main draw of Wimbledon this yes. year? Yes, wow. Um, yeah, wow. Mm. It's probably the most – probably it's never happened before. We had obviously one or two with Kim and Lindsay Davenport and various players and Yvonne Gulligan-Cawley is the only mum to have won Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's going to happen more? And what do you think about um, players? And I've had conversations with – some players um, about you know even extracting their own eggs that are younger because now players are playing into their thirties and having healthy children uh, obviously as you get older it becomes a little bit more difficult. So what do you think about that and where do you think the WTA goes with this? Yeah, it's a really um, interesting topic, isn't it? And I think it's one that's um, definitely come to head because of players having children and then um, obviously having higher, more profile players like Serena and Vika having children, it brings it to more attention, I guess. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of players um, peaking at probably closer to 30 now. We're seeing them play their better tennis, even post-30. So I think the whole fertility issue is certainly something that's, I guess, more... Um, relevant at this point in time but I really feel like it's it's great I think it's really great for the sport to see these women um, giving birth coming back having results um, showing you showing I guess everyone that you know you can still um, come back and be a great athlete be a mum it's it's a lot to take on but it's possible and I think the two are, are starting to um, realize that um, in terms of uh, maternity I guess rules with special rankings, maternity leave, etc, etc. Tournaments are catering for it a lot more. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a subject that's been um, a lot more in the media and prevalent because of all these women um, having children and doing really well um, post giving birth, which is amazing. Yeah, you uh, and I had spoken about it earlier how you think it's just phenomenal what Serena did by making so soon after having giving birth being in a final at Wimbledon and yes, we all expect Serena as being a bit superhuman about what she's done with her career but that's pretty amazing. Physically. Oh, it's phenomenal for me. Like I've seen my partner obviously go through two pregnancies, give birth, and what your body goes through is phenomenal to to give birth to a, a child. But then it's not only that; it's what comes after um, giving birth. You know, you've got this cute little baby that you have to care for. You're up in all hours of the day, night, um, caring for this child. Plus, on the back of your mind, you want to become get back to being an athlete and for me Serena I always had um, so much respect for her anyway but what she's actually done in the last 12 months is phenomenal um, the fact she won Australian Open at seven weeks pregnant is phenomenal for me the fact she made a Wimbledon final less than 12 months after giving birth she is she's superhuman um, for me and um, definitely an inspiration for the whole tour and women out there for sure and you, you had your struggles through the, your career with injuries. You had major surgeries um, to shoulder, yep. foot, yep. and then you had the concussion, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, how difficult was it and how many times did you actually utter the words, that's it, I'm done, I'm retiring? And how hard was it to come back <laughs> from the surgeries? And did it change your perspective? Yeah, the um, my first surgery, the shoulder surgery, was... I felt like it was – I was always pretty positive. I never felt like after that – I never really muttered those words because with the shoulder I had a bit of a plan. I knew I was going to be out for a good nine months. I did my rehab, but I always had that intention of coming back. But during that time um, – I met my partner Amanda. Life was really good. I was living in Sydney. I went to beauty school. Yeah, <laughs> I became. I, yeah. You went to beauty school. So how many yeah. times did you get people to say, "Can you wax me, Casey? <laughs> yeah, can you do my eyebrows?" I know. So I became a qualified um, 
beautician, which is quite funny. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a really great distraction. And I met a lot of great girls and um, it was just something so different. But I had to keep busy as well as doing my rehab. But I always had in my head, no, nah, I'm going to become, I'm going to get back to tennis. Um, the foot was difficult because that came not long after the shoulder, but kind of got through that as well. Um, the concussion was obviously the hardest. Um, and there was many times during that period where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can get back to the level or you know, that I was at prior to my concussion. But um, yeah, I had a few big injuries, a few, um, you know, difficult moments throughout my career, but they do make you more resilient. They do make you appreciate it more and they make you want it more, which I certainly think helped me in moments throughout my career. So yeah, it's, um, everyone has their own, I guess, journey and tribulations and that happened along the way and they were a few of mine. You came back, um, there was one year that I remember where you had some phenomenal results in Australia and you had victories over people like uh, Patty Schneider, who was a top 20 player at the time and, you know, at times top 10 great player, and Emily Merejma, who was t uh, top 10 in the t at that time, I believe. Yeah. Explain how important it was and how great it was for you and how stressful it is to play in Australia yeah. with all the glaring lights on you because Australians don't really care about tennis too much of the year until January <laughs> rolls around. It's the only thing they care about, that and cricket. Yes. Um, how great was it to have those moments in Australia and those, are those the fondest memories on a tennis court? And what are the fondest memories for you on the tennis court? Yeah, being in Australia and playing in Australia for me was always one of the best experiences. Um, I think for a lot of Australian players, they can actually struggle in those moments because, yeah, like you said, no one cares about tennis. And then in January, it's like all eyes on you and you have to perform. So it can it can get be really stressful and everyone wants a piece of you and it's it's hard work. But I always kind of thrived on it um, for some reason. I, yeah, because it's not your nature. No, it's not. I would come sometimes shy away, but I really felt like the Australian public, for me, they love someone that just has a go they love someone that gets out there and just competes and back in 2008 when I had that really good run like you said um I was 21 22 I was pretty raw no one really knew me I was just wearing my target clothes and Tajay <laughs> Tajay clothes no, sounds so fancy and I um yeah I just I don't even kind of I look back now and I'm like I don't even know that person that kind of Casey was I just kind of came out of nowhere my nan was in the crowd and but that moment was really special and it was a breakthrough moment for me in terms of my career my the belief in myself and it all flowed on from there but then I had another good run in 2014 made another fourth round there and yeah I just really felt like the Australian public they want you to do well so I kind of used that to my advantage and knew that um, they were cheering for you they're not there to you know, not support you. So I just tried to um, use that energy and I always had great memories, great success in Australia and I always cherish those memories. You talk about how difficult it was um, to believe because I know you really well. Yeah. And the biggest issue for you was really self-belief. Yeah. And trusting how talented you were and you put in the hard work and, and believing in yourself. How, how Percentage-wise, how many think players on tour yeah. do you think struggle with that exact thing? They know how good they are. Yeah. Did you know how good you were? No, not really. Did, no. So I just had a lot of people telling me, like, you're so talented, you're lefty, you know, you strike the ball amazing. But I never kind of believed it. Um, so how do you find that? How do you find that belief? And does that come from a combination of hard work and actually talking, literally faking it until you're making it? Yeah. And how many players do you think actually go through that? Yeah, well, I don't think I would have been the only one and I'm not the only one that would have felt or experienced that. I mean, there are probably a lot of girls out here that are naturally quite confident and exuberate that confidence on the court. But for me, it was, um, it was always very awkward. I found it hard to give a fist pump or show emotion because 
Um, it just wasn't natural for me. Uh, I wish it came a little bit more natural, but I think, like you said, I think the hard work that you put in and the fake it till you make it, the like mentally just telling yourself that you can beat these players and you're good enough definitely changed my mindset and then having some results, but that comes from the hard work that you put in as well. So, but yeah, I think there'd be a number of players and that's, I think, why you see sometimes on the women's tour a bit of fluctuating form, you know, players get a little bit down, they stop, they lose a bit of belief in their game, their performance and you see it a little bit, um, you know, girls dropping in and out of top 100, defending. Um, Points. You don't see that so happen so much on the guys' tour, I don't think, where, you know, Girls get really worked up about defending points or having to perform, and yeah, so yeah, they're a, little, they're a tad more emotional, is what you're saying. Yeah, kind of. A little bit more difficult for them at times to deal with. Yeah, I think so. Were, yeah. there, were there times in your life where um, the retirement question came, and did you have? I mean, I, you and I had. There's at least two times where I remember you saying the words, "That's it, Stubbsy. I'm done. Yeah. I'm retiring. I'm done. I can't yeah. take it anymore." Yeah. Yeah, from the time that I was, I know um, that was when I was probably about from 18 till about 21. And I really struggled through those years. I really battled through, um, I'd been through the, you know, Australian Institute of Sport, been through the Federation, but then was kind of out my Thrust. own. You're thrown into the world alone. Yeah, you are. Really are. And you, I was playing obviously on the ITF circuit and then you're scraping for money. Um, it was tough those years because you, I was, I was like sleeping, you know, sharing three in a room to save money yeah um doing my, your own laundry yeah doing your own laundry I was really grinding it at the lower level and I just thought I'm not cut out for this um Stubbsy, I can't do it I think I just want to be at home with my family and um you're going through obviously all those things as well your fa- friends are at home they're having a good time and you're thinking about life you know it's just a hard life's tennis it's a really and a lot of people probably don't appreciate what you sacrifice what you have to give up what you put into the sport the amount you have to travel, especially as an Australian, we yeah. don't nip home. We, when you, I was first, you don't nip home. You don't nip you, home. You, you definitely don't nip home to Perth. No, which is even further. And people are always like, "Oh, Australia's so far." <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Yeah, it's not that bad." But Perth is really yeah, far. Yeah, Perth's like on the other side of the world. Yes, it's a long way away. To everywhere. And, yeah, and so there'd be times where I remember, like, I couldn't afford to fly home either. So yeah. you leave after the Australian Open, and then we get come to US Open, and you were still away, and it's like nine months down the track, and you haven't even gone home and you wonder why you're like in a not a good headspace <laughs> and stuff um, but it's a really tough sport but those years make you more resilient too as well so I do appreciate and I look back and I've got some really funny memories of that time too because it was so difficult um, but yeah well, what tell me one of them oh I just remember like using I'd go to the or sharing a room in Japan with a couple of other players at like a 25,000 at the time and I would get towels from the bathroom and a robe to make a nice little bed on the floor to get as comfy as I could so that like because we would share and the other two girls would sleep head to toe in the bed and it's just what you did because you couldn't afford a hotel room. Who were the players? Well Sophie Ferguson at the time and um, there was another Australian girl who who was it at the time? But yeah, Sophie and I actually did a lot. I was good friends with Sophie Ferguson and we used to share a lot and just So three in a room. Yeah. Head to toe. So one on the floor. One on the and floor. we'd rotate and um you just what you did, like because that's all you How could many afford. times did you steal bread rolls from the morning breakfast uh, oh, always. for lunch? Always. You'd make a nice ham and cheese sandwich or take it to the courts. Um you take the fruit. You'd actually have a lot for breakfast if it was included in the hotel. I don't know, you just flew the cheapest flight. You'd fly like six flights to get to a place because it was cheaper. What was the longest flight you ever took? Oh, well, from Perth, I would do like Perth, Adelaide, Adelaide, Sydney, Sydney, LA, LA, somewhere in America else to get to Miami. That's like the longest, I think, 
route you can go. Uh, um, I think I, I, I might beat you. I went Puerto Rico one time. So I was in San Juan. I went San Juan, Miami. Yeah. Miami, LA, or I might have even gone, stopped somewhere on the way to LA. Then I went LA to Tokyo. To get back to Australia? To go back to Australia. Oh, so you went around the world. I basically. literally went around the world. Yeah, but you probably got a cheap around the world ticket oh, or absolutely. something. And that's just what you did. Yeah. So it was just, it was like a non-negotiable. You didn't even think about flying direct. Like no. it was not even an option. You'd rock up. Plenty of times my rackets didn't show up and I'd just use someone else's or, you know, those stuff happened and... But yeah, you definitely like the end of my career. I was obviously higher ranked, and you got per diems, and I was like, that—that that was the life. You're like happy days. Yeah, yeah. Making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So I, how hard was it to walk away from making the money you were making? Because you were you were making upwards of six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year, doing well in doubles alone. Yeah. How hard was that to walk away from, considering you've yeah. got this family and? Yeah, I mean it's tough, but I guess you always get to a point in life where, for me. Well, this is how I feel. It was never. It was. It's not about the money. Um, I've had a great career, and I've been able to give my family a great start in life in terms of you know having a house, a roof over our head, and all that stuff. That's really important. And a pool. And a pool. We're putting in a pool, um, which is great. So those little things. Um, I'm really proud of that I've been able to do my fa- for my family. But at the end of the day, the money, yeah, it's great. Um, it keeps going up and up. You would be a bit spewing from back when you used to yeah, be playing. Yeah, yeah, it I, keeps I, going up and up. But I, w- um, I wish I'd stuck around a couple more years, yeah. but I, I can't complain. No, but do you know what? It's, yeah, it's not always about the money and it was about being at home with my family and um, that's priceless for me. So that's always important. Okay, so speaking of motherhood, you decide to, you and your partner have kids. Uh, you now have two kids. Yeah. Uh, um, Blake and Andy, little yep. boy and little girl, who are absolutely adorable. Yeah. Anybody follows you on Instagram, they know. Um, how difficult was it to travel away from them? And um, I guess now, what's your thought process about having more kids and yeah. life? Yeah, no, um, when I met Manda, we always knew that we wanted a family, I guess, and that was part of um, what we wanted. And we had Blake in 2013, and my career actually even turned more of an head when Blake was born. Um, I actually started to do really well, and I think people were like, oh, the, Blake's going to make it hard for Casey and that. But you know what? It made me be in a really good space in life. I was really content. I was really happy. And for me, that always translated on the court. Um, when Blake was born, we travelled with him a lot. Um, he came on the road. Logistically, it was hard. We'd get to like Rome, for example, and we'd think we'd book a beautiful room and we'd get this shoebox room. And I was like, just a shithole. Yeah, we've got like a little baby and we wanted just some warm milk for his bottle and like trying to relay to the staff. You just want some warm milk. Latte, was difficult. Latte. Yeah. Or like we'd be like wanting to do some washing and a little nonna would walk out and we'd be like, no, we want a washing machine. Casey, you know? your name's Delacqua. How do you I not know, speak Italian? I know, it's I know. shocking. I don't know. I get that all the time. Oh. But, yeah, no, life's good. Um, when our second child came along, Andy, it does logistically, it gets more difficult. But um, I was already, I was out with my concussion at that time and life was changing a little bit anyway. But, you know, kid, there's more kids in the, um, in, the, in the plan. But, you know, eventually we'll get there. And I've always been big on family, family, life. That's what life's about. So, um, yeah, we're really happy and I love being at home. I love being a mum. I love playing board games with my kids. I love seeing them. It's so rewarding. Taking them for a stroll. Yes, I love going for walks with them. And, yeah, they love having me home a lot more too. So we're all happy. Hold up. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, speaking of happiness, there were periods of time in your career where, in particular, you went through this concussion um, thing a couple of years ago. So you were playing a match in Beijing with... Yaroslava Shvedova, yep. your old doubles partner, and you'd made the WTA finals. You knew you were in for the first time ever. Yep. Yep. So that was a pretty special moment for you. Mm-hmm. And you're playing a match. Uh, it's close to the end of the match, correct? Yep, correct. Against the chance Match sisters. point. Yep. Match point, it was. Yeah, it was a match point. Yep. For you? Uh, yep. Oh, bloody hell. It was. That's even worse. And we were down like 6-1, 5-love. Like we, we, we were out in the you're, match and we somehow gone. got there. And you made it back yep. and you're at match point and you end up falling backwards. Yeah. And absolutely plonking your head very hard on the tennis court. Yes. Um, go through the period of time from that moment and uh, through to about uh, March of the following year. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, like you said, I was on court. Life was great. We had made champs. We were well and truly qualified. And we were playing Beijing and, you know, just getting some extra matches together. I loved playing with Slava. Um, she was awesome to play with. And, yeah, I obviously um, had that moment where I smashed my head on that on the concrete court, which if anyone knows, a concrete court is... It's going to win the head-to-head oh, yes. head head battle. Yes, no pretty much. Intended. Yes, it's, um, it's hard. And I have no recollection from that moment on till I got to maybe, like, the hospital... Um, I remember kind of waking up and my partner happened to be there, Amanda, at the time and the WTA trainer, Kate. And, um, yeah, I was just in all sorts. I'd walked off the court. I was apparently vomiting and had, you know, signs of concussion, um, which is what happens. And Um, highly unusual for a tennis player. Yes, and something that the WTA staff would never really... Like, it's very rare for a player to have a concussion, especially on court. So, um, And my knowledge of concussion was very limited. I just assumed I'd leave Beijing and then after two weeks I'd get home, have a little bit of rest and I'd be fine. I could just... um, have a bit of rest and championships were on the way so I'd be able to um, do that so but yeah then after that it just became a real battle for me mm-hmm. it became difficult I went home I had to pull out of the championships unfortunately which is terrible which was really upsetting upsetting for Slava upsetting for me um, it's I a felt, lot of money too yeah it was a lot of money we were one of the best teams in the world that year so it was um, really hard I continued to really struggle um, I was having a lot of issues it turned like my physical symptoms were subsiding I had like my headaches were slowly going which was they were constant for months um, I was sensitive to light couldn't use my phone was just really switched off from the world for a while um, then I started to have a few like more mental I guess um, struggles certainly um, anxiety set in for you yeah anxiety set in and not um, I'd never experienced much anxiety before where I couldn't um, get out of the house like I'm very bubbly I'm very social yeah. I like 
<laughs> I like to be chatty and stuff and then I like couldn't have a good time. Yeah, I do. And I um that's something I've never struggled with, but I couldn't um <laughs> I couldn't take my son to the park, couldn't go out and get groceries. The little things were really difficult for me. So I did pull out of the Australian Open that year. People didn't really know what was kind of going on. I think a lot of people I felt like people didn't really understand because they were like, you know, she's had a bit yeah, of concussion. How can you play? Yeah, not play. Not play, like you how, surely you're okay. Your close friends knew. Yeah, my everyone that was close to me knew what I was going through. Um I did try and come back in March. You were with me. I called you to um, help me on the road, um, but I was still struggling. I thought oh, yeah. I was ready, but I wasn't. Yeah, I remember um, going out on the court. You were playing with Sam Stozer, and, and Indian Wells are so great for doubles, and they love to support the doubles there. And the court was absolutely packed, and you had a, just an absolute shocker of a first round playing Hingis and Mirza first round, who I believe were number one team in the yeah, world at the time. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. So you know you've you've been thrust out on a massive court with huge amounts of crowd, and you're playing you know one of the best teams, and you expect a lot from yourself as well as a doubles player and Sam Stozer, yep. who you were playing with. And so I remember going out after the first set, and I walked out into the court, and I looked at Sam, and I was very constructive with my my uh, assessment of what you needed to do and then I looked at Sam and then I looked at you and you looked at me and you had tears in your eyes yeah. and you were petrified yeah and you were so overwhelmed with the moment and normally you'd be just like yeah whatever Stubbsy yeah well yeah, yeah. you know you'd be fine but you were like I don't want to be here yeah you were so petrified about playing and the anxiety of people looking at you and not playing well and I remember looking I think I may have said to you Casey you've got some of the best returns in the world, just let it go, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. kind of thing. Something yeah. along those lines. But I remember that period of time, you went to Miami. Uh, we went to San Antonio, actually, and you played singles. Yeah, and it was disaster. And you played singles and you lost to Peronkova. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad match. No, you, no, no. You, you, in a lot of people's eyes, got thrashed. Like, yes. It was like one and one or something. Yeah. But the match wasn't that no, bad. No, no, yeah. But you came off the court and you and I sat together and you sobbed yeah uncontrollably like, yeah and you said I can't take this no. and it was not that you couldn't take being on the tennis court you it was overwhelmingly yeah tough for you with the anxiety still yeah and the eyes on you and I want to tell this because I know it's hard for you yeah but you know we went you went to Miami and you had a, you won a good first round doubles against mm. Burton's and uh, Larson. Larson yeah yeah and you came off the court and you were in a we went into the room. You were with Mel Omazolo, who's the travelling train mm-hmm. fitness uh, physio from Australia. And I walked into the room, and you were lying on the ground, and you were bawling your eyes out. Yeah, and we had won, and, and it was a won. good match. And, and you, yeah. were, you were literally hi- almost hyperventilating. Yeah. And I think that's when I thought, wow, this is more than any of us know what yeah. to do for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it probably was a good realisation for me too because I kept – convincing myself that I was okay I kept convincing myself your tennis is good enough that other stuff will be fine as you'll get there yeah and then even though we won a match and it was like still too much and it was overwhelming and to be honest if I look back now I probably still just hadn't recovered from my concussion Mm -hmm. but it had been such a long period that I was just like I felt a bit weak, like, you've yeah. got to be back. You've got to get back and play. Like, you're a good player. Get back. You, What are you doing? And it was just all when too much. When I look back on it, though, you had the worst freaking draws. Yeah, no, we did I have mean, literally, draws. you got like, the it was worst freaking yeah, draws in doubles. Probably wasn't the best ones to come back and play. No, but I mean, anyway. Had, I think you played the top seed in three tournaments in a row almost. No, It was a joke. Yeah. But that didn't help. At least you could have maybe got a bit of a shitty draw. Yeah. <laughs> won a couple of easy matches. Maybe you would have thought felt a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. But it was because there was all this pressure on you immediately 
And so you made a big decision. Yeah, from that moment um, after Miami, I... Took, after Charleston. After Charleston, sorry. Yep, yeah. I took special ranking and... You walked away. Oh, yeah, I stopped. I walked away. Um, I never said that I was going to retire, but I knew that I was going to be out for an extended period of time to get myself right. Um, I went back to Sydney and I worked with a psychologist weekly for a long time um, just to get me back to being Casey like just the Casey that could get up and go for walks with my kids and have fun and then in April not long after Charleston the birth our daughter came along Andy and um, that was a really great time now I look back um, we were just in that newborn bubble of love where you got a little baby and it distracted me from a lot of the other stuff that was happening so um, yeah so basically for the rest of that whole year um, I stopped I didn't hit I didn't um, play any tennis I didn't think about tennis I always watched a little bit and then yeah come November um, was when yeah Ash and I started hitting a little bit more together and we had a great year and um, so be it. So basically you and Ash got each other back out of retirement you got her back from playing cricket thank bloody yes, god. Yes I know. Because she dealt with her own anxiety issues, you know, um, as far as not wanting, you know, p p having a lot of the notoriety of being so young and so good. She's so good. And, you know, she yeah. had a hard time being away from her family as yeah. well. And, yeah. And you two supported each other through a period of time that, you know, you can look back on and be really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. She's... And you made how many Grand Slam finals together? Well, we made five. We made... Oh, sorry, four. We made three back when back in 2013 and then we made French Open final last year. So, um, yeah, we reconnected and like you said, I think just timing in life was perfect for us. She, you, well, you know more than anyone as well, you can't put a price on the value of having good friends out on tour. Yeah. And for Ash and I, um, yeah, she was great for me and I feel like I was great for her even though we're years apart, just like you and me, I guess. But um, it's oh. we, um, we get along great and we had a really great year last year. We made Singapore. I finally got to go to Singapore. Yeah. We were both back to top 10 in the world in doubles and I just felt like it was a really good way for me to go out um, as well, like having a great year, coming back from the concussion, everything that I'd been through, proved to myself that you I could, could get – do it I got back to top 10 and I was really proud that I could finish on my own terms and um in a really positive way yeah I think I believe we got a little bit smashed that night in Singapore yeah we did well, we certainly celebrated um we did we had a lot of drinks and yeah. it was fun it was a lot of it was uh, good it was the the old uh, what's the dance with the um the sprinkler the sprinkler yeah. dance so I still have that on yeah, video we did um, we actually fun. had Carolina Plishkova up on that uh, that night and she I remember She's going we walked to the bathroom together and we both had to go to the toilet at the same time and Carolina looked at me and she goes Oh, they're so fun! <laughs> oh, I love I love the, all the Aussies. I said, "Yeah, we're Aussies. Yeah. We're like to, we know how to have a good time, yeah, exactly, and we know how to have a good time." <laughs> all right. So, speaking of um, Amanda and your family and coming out, and you know the controversy of the Margaret Court situation, you were sort of thrust into that conversation unwillingly. You didn't go out and seek this, the spotlight. You're not somebody who usually tweets out shit. No, <laughs> you, you I don't. Pretty quiet. You have yep. a good time and you're fun and you're outspoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not one that seeks it. But you were no. thrust into that because Margaret sort of put you into the spotlight about you having a family and it not being right. And you're both from Perth. Yep. She's somebody that you've, I'm sure, looked up to yep. throughout your career, mm -hmm. being one of the greatest players of all time. Yep. How difficult was that period of time and how important was it for you to stand up and also get the support of a lot of your Aussie friends? Yeah, it was, um, it was something that I put a lot of thought into actually because, um, yeah, there had been moments um, back when Blake was born where there was Margaret had written an article um, about my family which wasn't nice but I left it alone and kind of didn't really 
think too much about it because it wasn't something that I felt was worthy to respond to. Um, but yeah, then the marriage equality started happening in Australia and um, yeah, she was being outspoken. So I just felt like it was the right time for me to, to speak up and to, um, you know, just be really proud of my family and who I am and my relationship. And um, I think sometimes you don't realise what a role model you are um, until you then kind of speak up and you realise, like I always, I had amazing support throughout that whole time, not only from my friends on tour, like everyone's been amazing, but from everyone, the general public back in Australia were fantastic and um, obviously marriage equality got passed and, yeah, it was a, it was a really good um, now, outcome. Did, yeah. Did you, did you win a, a award at the end of life? I did. I actually won Sports Personality of the Year for the LGBTI um, community, which was really rewarding. Um, I felt quite proud that, um, I mean, I just, like you said, I didn't seek the spotlight. I just felt like it was a really important time to speak up because I feel like there are times in life where I don't say much, but um, when oh, there's... Oh, bullshit. <laughs> I do behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> but when I feel like there's a there's the right time, and that was definitely the right time to speak up, and um, I'm really glad I did, and... Yeah, so it was nice to be, I guess, um, recognised recognized for, for that. Yeah. <laughs> just, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, just for being me. And yeah. that was the thing. Like, I was like, wow, I won an award for just being Casey. That's, yeah. re- that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I've just been who I am and it's nice to be rewarded for that. Yeah, you should be rewarded <laughs> for that, Casey. You deserve an award for that every day. Um, go back to tennis. Um, can you tell me one of the, some of the one or some of the funniest times, uh, matches, uh, moments on court? Yes, I've got plenty. Um, there's plenty. You probably tell the story better than I do, though. Probably oh. one of the funniest ones was when I was playing with you. So you can tell it. Like in Madrid? Yes, in Madrid. Well, so basically, well, I'll tell the beginning of it and you can tell the end of it. <laughs> but I um, I was coming back from another injury and I still had a good special ranking, but Stubbsy's ranking was good. But you were about to, on the verge of contemplating retirement. retirement. Yeah, and I just called you and said, can you play with me? Um, we'll get into these tournaments. Your exact words were Stubbsy. Can you help me try and get my ranking back? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, can I use and abuse you? Because get me back and then I'll... Flip you. you, yeah. <laughs> I'll dump you for a younger version, yeah. like a twenty-year younger version called Ash Barty. Pretty much, Good but um, yeah. So we started and we did really well. Yeah. We did great, and then I was on my way. But yeah, the one of the funniest stories was probably the first tournament back that we played together was in Madrid. And you tell it. You tell the it. first match. Or the second it was. We were playing, but a, you tell it funny. An unnamed so. team, and somebody had a ball on top of the net, and they had the whole court, and they decided to try and tag you. And then you flicked it back and you got it back. I don't know how. You closed your eyes. <laughs> and then they hit it again at you rather than again trying to hit it away. And they went right at you again and you flicked it up in the air over their head and you hit a volley winner. And I laughed so hard because I was so em- just embarrassed for that person. And then I just said, ha, ha, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of said it out loud. And it was very impulsive, but it was so funny. Oh, because it was just so appropriate. I know. They were really trying to achieve me and, like, Go yeah. at me. Yeah. And I'm just a bit weird with my reflexes. Somehow I just yeah. put my racket there. It's like a frying pan sometimes, shot. I know. But I'm uh, like, you always had my back. And in that moment, it was very funny. Oh, yeah. And, and it was so impulsive because, yeah, it was unexpected. But great. Yeah, that one. And then we well, had one about three weeks later at the French Open uh, against, un- again, unnamed uh, opponents. 
they know who they are. Uh, and I uh, was trying to keep you together because you were losing your shit the whole match. Yeah, I was pretty fired up that match. You were, and which it's was usually the opposite. Completely. Yeah, I'm usually trying to bring you down, but I was very fired up. Yeah, and then I just lost my shit in yeah. the second to last <laughs> game to the point where it was just hysterical. Um, but yeah, we've had we had some fun moments. And most a lot of my best times on tour from Fed Cup, and you would know as well. Yeah. Like those times at Fed Cup when we've had great. For me, like they were great weeks. Olympics, for example, mm-hmm. even the weeks. I loved being on tour, but the weeks that I had with my teammates or my Aussie friends, you can't replace them. Mm-hmm. And they are the memories that stick out in my mind as being some of the greatest memories on tour. Um, we will always look back and have some good laughs. We'll always have girls' weekends. We'll organise with the, all I know, the. No, you're trying to get a girls' weekend together, and I don't know if I can make it. No. I'm a little bit disappointed with yeah, this. Yeah, no. You spend too much time in America, but the Aussie ones <laughs> that live in Australia, we're going to get together, and um, I don't know if many girls would do that on tour but we're very fortunate to have a group of girls that really enjoy each other's company and we have great stories great memories and that's something that I'll cherish and take with me for the rest of my life is those friends if there was one match that you could take back I like talking about that yeah I mean what would it be um, I've never asked you this question no I don't think you've have and I haven't really put much thought into it there's a few um no, you can only have one yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I actually played Flavia Panetta at a fourth round at a US Open and I felt like it was a really – I mean, she's an amazing player, obviously, winning the US Open, but this was prior to that. But um, I just felt like it was a really good opportunity for me to kind of break through into like a quarterfinal of a slam and mm. I was playing really good tennis. I had struggled through my first couple of rounds as well but found some great form and I feel like I probably let myself down a little bit. Um, Not believing in yourself probably. Potentially, like – it was almost good enough to make the fourth round, but at some point, like, I was better than that, but I never kind of broke through that a bit, even. I made two fourth rounds at the Australian Open as well in singles and would kind of get to that point and then I would almost feel like... But sometimes that's not good enough and I think that's what I learnt a little bit um, in some matches that you should be disappointed when you come off and you've, you know, mm. lost matches that are winnable, not because someone's ranked high. They're, you have I had opportunities, I guess, in that match to take, which I didn't. So when I look back, it's, um, yeah, those matches you kind of wish, oh, I just had that moment again. And what's the what's the match that you will remember the most in your career? Uh, yeah, probably the Emily Moresmo one for me. Um, back into up. that, yeah. With your nan in the Yeah, crowd. with my nan. It was 2008. Um, the roof was closed on Rod Laver Arena. It was packed, 15,000 people. And I just will never forget the adrenaline of the, the people supporting me. And Do you miss that? Is that, is that the uh, one thing you miss? Is that... Because I always say that sports or tennis, whatever, professional sports, is like um, it's like legal drug taking. It's yeah. like it's like <laughs> it's like legal addiction, yeah. I call it. It's hard to let go of that adrenaline and that feeling of accomplishment. Yes. Do you miss that at all? Yeah, or no, I do. One, if you had one thing you miss. Yeah, it's actually probably that, to be honest. I miss the, the competition and I miss the competing. I don't miss the training and I don't miss the, like, other stuff that comes along but that moment that you're on court and you're actually competing against your opponent and you come off and you've had a great win that exhilarating adrenaline whether it even be at a smaller tournament or bigger tournament I do miss that which is probably why I need to pick up a a new sport or (laughs) something like that away from tennis but yeah I miss probably that the most and my friends obviously um but yeah other than that I don't miss too much to be honest with you what are you up to now so at the moment I'm um 
transitioning to try and find, figure out what I want to do. I'm in that well, state. Well, hold on a second. You have a certificate as a beautician. I do. So you didn't want to use that? <laughs> I didn't. I, no, no. No. I don't want to do anyone's toes. No, I don't feel like doing manis and petties all day. But I definitely um, am trying to work out what I want to do. Yeah, wax my eyebrows or pluck them? Yeah, no. I could do a lot with your stuff with you, Stussy. <laughs> No, you're That's... looking good for your age. Oh, thanks. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't exactly know what I want to do, but I'm trying a lot of different things. I'm doing some work um, within our federation at Tennis Australia. Um, I'll do some TV work over January. I'm just going to, um, I guess, do a few things and see what I like, see what I'm good at. Um, I know what you're not good at. What's that? You could be the, one of the worst golfers I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, anyone seeing me post videos of myself playing golf, it's terrible, but... I'm having a go. I'm going to try and get out there. Amanda bought me some lessons for Mother's Day that I want to take advantage of. So I'm going to improve. That's one thing I do want to get better at. Golf. Yeah, golf, because yeah, I'm pretty bad. It's a little bit less um, stressful on the body than tennis. Yes, yep. God and you can have a beer after the ninth hole and something to look forward to. After the ninth hole? Yeah. What about on the, way. the third or yeah, fourth okay, hole? Truth. Yeah, that's yeah. more your style. Oh, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that. You don't have to tell anybody about that. Um, but anyway, it's it's all, it was always... Um, such a pleasure to be around you on tour. I miss you on the tour, that's for sure, because um, there's, you do have a camaraderie with certain people on tour, and it's not necessarily because you're an Aussie. It's just you're always that person in the locker room. And there's so. Can I ask you actually who your um, your idols were? Like, one, if there's one player that you looked up to the most that you yeah. could have emulated? Um, well. Um, I guess as a player, when I was like coming up, I would always tend to look to the lefties a little bit. Oh, so yeah, like I would always see like there wasn't many around. There seems like there's a lot mm. more lefties now, but um, you know, back years ago there was very few. So I'd look at like a Patty Schneider. Even she used a heavy forehand. I used trying mm. to do that a yep. little bit. And um, so those players. But when I when you talk about having role models or friends, I would always. Um, and this is not just to pump up your tyres, but I would look up to more the Aussie girls like you, Alicia Molik, those girls that, um, for me, that I felt like I could go to. And I hope that continues through the next generation of Australian players where they feel... And that's what I always tried to do with the younger girls and mm. pass on what... I guess you guys taught me was so that the Aussie girls on tour felt like they could have someone they could talk to. If they wanted to practice, they could ask me. And I've always been very conscious of how difficult it can be in the struggle. So I've tried to um, do that with our younger girls. But, yeah, I would always look... Um, like I would find comfort in knowing that I had my Aussie friends on tour, mm. um, particularly you and Alicia, I think, um, was always very comforting on tour because it's hard. It's a hard sport. So, um, yeah, that was always – they were probably, um, yeah, things that I always I'm helped still me. here. Can't, don't, don't, don't talk about me in the past tense. They. <laughs> they, 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 yeah. they. But anyway, okay, so, Case, thanks for um, joining me. And um, I know you're on the road a little bit doing the Tennis Australia sort of stuff and player yep. relations things. And yep. you're trying to figure out um, the next step, which is always a little difficult. Yep. Um, but I know that you'll find a way. And um, I love you to death. Um, <laughs> and what you get is truly what you see with you. And yep. so... For everybody out there that's going to listen to this podcast, uh, Casey truly is who you think she is. Um, so thanks for joining me. No worries. Oh. Thanks so much for having me. That uh, was a great chat. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't tell too many of my dark stories. <laughs> no, it was all good. Thanks so much. All right. Love you. Thanks. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. 
Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri, Taylor Dalton, and the team at Acast. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.